Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Five minutes after five o'clock on a Wednesday morning. How you doing, everybody? Fabulous farm babe, Pam Yonke. Feeling a little bit better about our day today after a little sunshine yesterday. The good news is it looks like we've got more sunshine in the forecast for today. Now, we can't string together a complete week, but at least things look halfway decent today. Sunshine in 69, winds today out of the south, 8 to 15 miles an hour. Tonight, down to 50 degrees. Now, tomorrow we start to see a little bit more of a chance of isolated showers and thunderstorms. Tomorrow's high is around 69. I'll leave it at that because Stu Muck's going to join us in about 15 minutes. Lots of things to cover with you. First of all, $8.8 million going towards the dairy innovation uh, hub that we had talked about in Wisconsin. Howard Markland, Senator who chairs the Joint Finance Committee, telling us about that after 5.30. And Clark County has announced the host family that will be responsible for helping to put together some of the best for Farm Technology Days 2022. But at the same time, show organizers have said they will not have Wisconsin Farm Technology Days 2021. All kinds of stuff to talk about with you this morning. We'll get started in just a moment. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. You know, Bob, the Dairy Margin Coverage Program is something that a lot of people still might have a couple questions about, like when they might get their check. This is Reba McClone on the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And at World Dairy Expo, you were able to find out that those checks are actually in the mail. They might even be in dairy farmers' checkbooks by now. Reba, Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And last week at World Dairy Expo, we did have a chance to talk to Chris Galen, Senior Vice President of Membership at the National Milk Producers Federation. We asked him about those checks and the money going out to dairy farmers under the program. He said it's a pretty good amount. Yes, by raising the maximum coverage threshold from $8, which was the highest you could insure to under the old program, up to nine fifty per hundredweight, the program now is going to generate real money for farmers, even in a year where prices are recovering. We just received the official tally from USDA, and they calculate that farmers will receive collectively $303 million this year. The largest majority of that is going to farmers in Wisconsin. And the irony here is that If this program had not been in place and we still had the old margin protection program in place in 2019, that would not have paid out a single dollar. So that shows you how much more beneficial this program is going to be for farmers of all sizes and particularly those with 5 million pounds of production or less. Well, how much of that uh, 300 million plus is coming to Wisconsin? The numbers I saw show Wisconsin's getting almost $70 million, and that's a reflection not only of the number of farms you have here in Wisconsin, but also the size of those operations. And as you mentioned, having the $9.50 margin made a whole lot of difference. 
how much difference did it make as far as the way it was figured? And obviously we kept Congress's fingers out of this yeah. from messing up the program like they did MPP. Well, give co- Congress some credit. They did work with us to expand that threshold because going from $8 up to the new 950 does make quite a bit di- of difference. We know that it made $300 million worth of difference this year. The other thing is that we have 23,000 farms signed up. That's slightly more than signed up last year under the old margin protection program. So a lot of us in in agriculture and dairy work very hard to let producers know that even though the philosophy behind the dairy margin coverage program of ensuring margins between milk prices and feed costs, that's largely the same. But by raising that threshold, uh, by adjusting the the hay quality adjuster as part of that feed cost, that also put money in farmers' pockets. So collectively, all the changes we made in this new farm bill compared to the old one have resulted in a much more beneficial program for farmers. Chris, how much, I guess, arguing power did we have with the old MPP program? Farmers paid in, nothing came back, it all went into the Treasury instead of going out where it was intended. Yeah. The fact that a lot of farmers have a bad taste in their mouth from the MPP uh, did result in some changes to the DMC, not just the margin threshold being raised, which we've been talking about, but if you did pay into the program and you did not receive much in the way of any premiums, anything that you did pay, you could get a credit on that towards your payment of premiums under the DMC. So Congress did recognize that many farmers had a bad taste in their mouth from the old MPP and that you could use that to your advantage to sign up for the DMC here in 2019. The other thing, of course, is they credited farmers by giving a discount for those who sign up for the full five years of the Farm Bill. And we know, Bob, that about half of the 23,000 farmers who are using the program are signed up for the next five years, and about the other half are just signed up for 2019. What does it look like for the rest of this year with uh, $300 million out and the way the landscape and dairy is looking? We expect we're done for the year? If you look at the futures markets and the tool that USDA has, it does not look like margins will be below 950 here in the last three or four months of the year. What I would advise farmers, though, is that you can't assume that the current conditions will be the same in 2020. I mentioned a minute ago that about half of the 23,000 farmers signed up in the DMC are only covered through 2019. And so starting here October 7th, the USDA is opening a new and enrollment window for farms to choose their coverage in 2020. Now, that only applies to those who covered themselves just for 2019, but that's, uh, you know, that's close to 12,000 farms right now that are going to have to decide here this fall what type of coverage they want, how much premiums to pay in 2020. It's a less obvious choice because we don't know what the market's going to be like next year. We do know that there's going to be volatility. The global economy is slowing. There's a lot more fear right now in the stock market, as an example. So I think those are all cautionary notes that if commodity markets uh, continue to be volatile, you'll want to have some coverage under this program in 2020 as well. As we look at 2020, any tweaks in this program, or is it going to work the same way it did in 2019? The only tweak was made, uh, and that was to allow the intergenerational transfer of your milk production history among some families, and that's a fairly technical change that National Milk asked the USDA to make. It's not going to apply to a whole lot of farms. So I don't, at this point, think that Congress is going to make any major changes, and I don't think that USDA will as well. Uh, the, The dust is still settling, frankly, on the new program. 
program. Uh, the money's now being paid out. And then I think uh, given where markets are right now, we'll just have to see if the program's going to be issuing payments in 2020. Chris, a couple other uh, things National Milk has been working on very, very hard. And one of them's fake labels on food products, especially almonds, soybeans, things like that, calling being able to, to use milk. FDA is still dragging their feet. Have we got any updates? Are we making any progress? Is there any hope, I guess, in the future that this is going to be reconciled? The good news is that we have made this such a high-profile issue that I think it's really impossible for the FDA to continue to do this rope-a-dope where they lean back and say, oh, we don't have the resources and therefore we're going to do nothing. It's just been too high-profile an issue. Now, unfortunately, the former commissioner of the FDA, Scott Gottlieb, he was the one that really responded to a lot of our criticisms and said they were going to take a look at this. And then he resigned. Um, it's been almost a year now. So they only have an acting commissioner in place, and I think that has impeded progress on this, but we have used every opportunity we can to remind the FDA that this is a problem that's only going to grow in magnitude uh, if uh, assuming that the FDA does nothing about it. The other thing that's helping push towards a resolution of this bomb is that we're seeing now a lot of these uh, fake meat products flood the marketplace. And so it's no longer just dairy farmers carping about fake milk or fake cheese or fake yogurt. We have this whole new category of these fake meats, beef and pork in particular. And I think that is just another indication that when the regulators don't do the job that they are supposed to be doing, clever marketers are going to step in and exploit the marketplace. One of the most just gobsmacking, irritating things lately has been the resurgence of margarine, which is now calling itself vegan butter. And that is a clear violation not only of the FDA's standards of identity, but there's actually a congressional act that defines butter as a product of cream and milk, something that comes from a dairy cow. And the fact that you have vegan products made uh, from vegetable oils calling themselves vegan butter, uh, that's just a clear violation of the law. So more evidence that the FDA needs to step up and take action. And we're hoping that'll be done soon. Are we getting the food groups, obviously, National Milk and beef producers and pork producers and everybody else with these fake foods and things, but are we getting any pressure on FDA from any members of Congress in any kind of numbers? Certainly there's legislation called the Dairy Pride Act that was introduced by Tammy Baldwin here in Wisconsin, and she has bipartisan support from senators in other states. There's also a House bill. And, and basically what that would do, it would compel the FDA to take action within a specified time frame to enforce standards that define milk and other dairy products as the lactation of a, of a dairy animal. Having that out there helps. I don't know that that legislation is necessarily going to pass Congress. Most things right now are going to pass Congress the way that uh, Washington is gridlocked. But it's just one more signal here that the uh, that key lawmakers are watching what FDA is doing, or, or not doing in this case, and want to see this issue resolved. And another issue, Chris, that uh, National Milk is involved with is uh, the animal care issue. You've been a leader on that, and I understand we've got some upgrades coming for dairy farmers to deal with. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but it's been now 10 years since we rolled out the Farmers Assuring Responsible Management Animal Care Program. And now starting in 2020, we've got a new version, version 4.0, that will be going into effect. Uh, nothing major in that, some additional requirements for, for pain management, as well as just documentation of what's happening on farms. And, and that's really the, the, the 
purpose of this, Bob, is to be able to show our customers and ultimately consumers that farmers are doing a great job in caring for their dairy animals. But we need to have proof. We need to have numbers-based evidence, and that's what this program provides. So right now we've got about 98% of the nation's milk supply, co-ops and processors and and other marketers that use the farm program as their animal care program. And and we want to see that continue to grow to 100% of possible, mainly because we need to have some program in place, and it's better to have just one, a national program like ours, as opposed to having uh, a bunch of different ones that different marketers use. So that's the value in having one national standard, and it needs to be updated from time to time because the whole idea behind the program is one of continuous improvement. And, of course, uh, the issue of trade. Hopefully we've got a USMCA, Japan deal close by. Who knows about China? But we've battled these geographical indicators. Haven't been made much news lately, but as far as the Japan deal, they were affected by it, Canada as well. Is that backed off at all, or are the Europeans still holding tough? No, and, and what's happening here is that while the U.S. has been basically standing in place regarding some of its trade deals, y- yes, we have a more limited one that will be announced, the details of which will be announced soon, this affecting Japan, but we've renegotiated NAFTA. Uh, we're, we're backsliding, obviously, on China, given the conflicts there. But in the meantime, other nations, including the European Union and New Zealand, are out there negotiating with some of our target markets, and the European Union in particular is using those free trade agreements in an effort to claw back the names of certain food products, including cheeses, and that makes it harder for U.S. cheese companies and other food processors to compete when they go to market their products. So that's why we need to continue to be diligent in all these trade deals to hold Europe's feet to the fire to make certain that we don't lose the ability to market common food names like uh, Parmesan or Feta or Asiago, because that's certainly what the Europeans would like to do, and the U.S. has to play offense on this issue. A lot of work to do. You're not done yet. Chris Galen at the National Milk Producers Federation. At World Dairy Expo, I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Shop with your heart. Great place to start. On your budget and community. Reduce, reuse. Recycle too. You need corn hybrids with genetics and traits bred and tested in local conditions. I'm Shannon Latham. That's what you get from family-owned, proudly independent Latham High Tech Seeds. Numbers developed for your fields. New Star 4795 VT Double Pro Rib features great disease tolerance. Five-time first test winner 5245 VT Double Pro Rib is a Goss Boss. And 5739 Smart Stacks Rib is a widely adapted Gladiator Hybrid. Pick the best field-by-field at LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. Welcome to the Middleton Farmers Cooperative, powered locally since 1928. Your cooperative, serving the community with two Senex convenience stores, Do It Best Hardware Center, Feed Mill offering Vita Plus products, Agronomy Center, and Blue Dolphin Car Washes. Become a member today. Visit us on Pleasant View Road or University Avenue in Middleton or online at middletoncoop.com. Be our neighbor. Become a member. 
The Middleton Farmers Cooperative, your cooperative. Stop by the Do It Best Center in Middleton and check out our expanded selection of rental equipment. Aerators, stump grinders, edgers, and much, much more for your lawn and home fall projects. Check out our rentals on our website, middletoncoop.com. Be our neighbor. Become a member. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative, your cooperative. Oprah's got all the money. But Pam's got all the talent. Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. Almost 521 now on a Wednesday morning. Time to find out what's coming our way weather-wise. Stu Mockrag, meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. Boy, buddy, I'll tell you what. Just give me 24 hours worth of sunshine, clear conditions, and dry weather, and things look a whole lot better today. I'm guessing you enjoyed yesterday, Pam, and today another beauty. High pressure still off to the southeast, of course, blocking things out, meaning we're going to be in for a sunny, nice day. South winds helping to pump more mild air in, so temperatures warm up. Those winds begin to become a bit stronger, especially in western Wisconsin later tonight on into the day Thursday. Of course, that's ahead of the next system, the cold front that's slowly going to drop through the Dakotas, low pressure that's going to head down towards South Dakota. I expect it to turn a little more sharply northeast, head toward northeast Minnesota or western Lake Superior into Friday. What I'd anticipate is some rain developing. In fact, tomorrow, as we head toward midday or into the afternoon, some chance of a scattered shower popping up here or there. You know, a tenth of an inch or so. That's about all later Thursday. Rain more likely overnight Thursday night into the day Friday. Showers, even some thunderstorms around late in the night. And that's when rain amounts pushing into the half or even one inch range become our possibility. We don't need it. I know that. I didn't order it. It's what we're going to have to deal with. I expect more rainfall with it. South winds get a bit stronger into the day Friday and then begin to turn to the west and north. Northwest. So as we make our way to the weekend, a bit of colder air really starts to settle on in, and rain, especially in western and central and northern Wisconsin, could mix with a few snowflakes. Not a snowstorm, nothing like that, but a little mix of snowflakes along with the rain, the possibility. Late Friday night or into Saturday, temperatures get a bit colder during the day Friday, a whole lot colder than normal as we head towards Saturday. In fact, Saturday's high may more resemble a normal nighttime low. That cold in the low 40s. 40s around here, and we're not going to warm it up in a big hurry or get dry and sunny either. Still a bit of a rain chance and a cold day Sunday, slowly starting to clear out, and then a slow warm-up trying to build in once we head to next week. I'll have the forecast right after this. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals and expand your possibilities. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. No one enjoys seeing you succeed more than we do. Because we're more than financial experts. We're your neighbors. Count on us to be a financial partner dedicated to and active in the community. Because it's our community, too. At Compere Financial, we don't just champion this way of life. We live it. That's why we have such passion for helping the ag and rural community make dreams come true. So whether you're just starting out or on your way to building a legacy, we're here for you. As proud partners of the pork industry, we join you in celebrating National Pork Month in October. Learn more at Compeer.com. Trademarks of Compeer Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. 
You need corn hybrids with genetics and traits bred and tested in local conditions. I'm Shannon Latham. That's what you get from family-owned, proudly independent Latham High Tech Seeds. Numbers developed for your fields. New Star 4795 VT Double Pro Rib features great disease tolerance. Five-time first test winner 5245 VT Double Pro Rib is a Goss Boss. And 5739 Smart Stacks Rib is a widely adapted Gladiator Hybrid. Pick the best field by field at LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. Today, of course, with sunny skies, it's a beauty. Around 70, low 70s at La Crosse, southeast winds at 5 to 10. Partly cloudy skies develop tonight, back down around 50, southeast winds at 5 to 10, becoming mostly cloudy Thursday. A shower chance in the afternoon, a slight chance in the south late in the day. Mid and upper 60s, southeast winds about 5 to 10. More likely showers, even thunderstorms overnight, lasting into Friday. Rain amounts in that half to one inch range possible. Temps that start the day pretty nice still in the upper 50s drop down to around 50 in the day south winds become southwest and west 5 to 15 gusting to 25 and then that chance of a little rain and a colder day for saturday low 40s most likely are high come saturday so pam enjoy it today it's going to change for the weekend all right buddy thank you we'll take that enjoy the sunshine stumont Carag meteorologist with the weather details it's coming up on 525 this is the farm report with pam yonke Is it the people you do business with or the product you're looking for? Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here from my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet Main Street Sun Prairie. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So I heard somebody say the other day, well, all dealerships are the same. And I beg to differ with you. Zimbrick Chevrolet, when I walk in the doors there, I recognize people. I've been working with them for more than five years now, but my Suburban doesn't need any more maintenance than yours. But they're friendly. I talk to Steve Newby, my sales guy, every time I'm in there. Chuck Yebs, he's in the fleet department. Go ahead and ask him about growing up in Alaska. If Steve Bell, the general manager, is there, I'm talking to him about some of the community events they're involved with. And, of course, my service team, well, they get probably more information from me than they want. Here's the other thing. I needed a quick oil change the other day, but I had my little Sheltie dogs with me. What do you do? Well, they said, bring them on in. Now, I'm not encouraging everybody to bring your pooch along with you, but it points out it's the people at Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie, that make the difference to me. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling the shine and diamonds but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days they may have that traditional feel that traditional customer service but they also have the new modern looks of today stop in and take a look at their jewelry case talk to the staff find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create go online goodmansjewelers.com 
Chances are you already know there are lots of good reasons to shop at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. The name brand products, big selection, and our knowledgeable associates. And with our Blaine's Best Price Promise, you'll get the lowest price guaranteed or we'll match it. Secure large loads with a grade 70, 20 foot by 5 16th inch binder transport chain from Barron Manufacturing. On sale, $34.99. Take $3 off Blaine's Farm and Fleet commercial batteries. Price from $52.99 after sale and exchange. Save $20 on a 12 volt, 15 gallons per minute electric fuel transfer pump from GPI. Use with gasoline, diesel fuel, or kerosene. On sale, $279.99. And stock up on Rotella T 15W40 diesel oil. A two and a half gallon jug, just $24.99 after $10 mail-in rebate. Save on the brand you love. And now with Blaine's Loyalty Rewards Program, earn points and save even more. Join Blaine's Rewards today and take advantage of member rewards pricing, special offers and savings, and member-only events. Find values like these and more at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Welcome to the Middleton Farmers Cooperative, powered locally since 1928. Your cooperative, serving the community with two Senex convenience stores, Do It Best Hardware Center, Feed Mill offering Vita Plus products, Agronomy Center, and Blue Dolphin Car Washes. Become a member today. Visit us on Pleasant View Road or University Avenue in Middleton or online at middletoncoop.com. Be our neighbor. Become a member. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative. Your cooperative. Stop by the Do It Best Center in Middleton during October where solar salt and salt pellets for your softener needs are buy five, get one free. Stock up now and check out your local Do It Best Center, middletoncoop.com. Call today, 608-831-5059. Be our neighbor. Become a member. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative. Your cooperative. Are you ready to power your appliances and heat your home with clean, efficient FS propane? Work with Inside FS, a company that lives and works in the same community you do. They'll check your system to help make sure it's safe and efficient. Call them about their convenient contracting or budget billing programs. When it comes to the safety and comfort of your family, you can trust Insight FS. Visit InsightFS.com to schedule an appointment today. I'm Fouad Reves, a home builder. Did you know there's a deadly, invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground? It's radon. Breathing radon can cause lung cancer. So protect your family. Talk to your builder. Tell them you want a healthier, safer, radon-resistant home. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov radon. That's epa.gov radon. This public service announcement is brought to you by the EPA, who does not endorse this particular builder or any other commercial enterprise. Always happy to have you, Bernie, on the show. But today, very significant for your appearance because we put the uh, the poll up. We've been waiting for a couple weeks, and Ebo and I agree that now's the time to do it, and that's the, the GOAT debate with Badger running backs. So out of the four, Taylor, Gordon, Ball, Dane, uh, you kind of overlap some of those careers. You've certainly been around the program for many years. Does Matt Bernstein have a vote on the GOAT of those four? So I have a vote. I also think if JT comes around and sticks around, he'll be that guy. But I, I still think it's so hard to – like, Ron Dane was just so special. I mean, don't take anything away from JT, but Ron Dane did this, like, in the late 90s. He was a huge guy who ran – like, how many backs do you see now who are, like, 270 pounds and running a 4'5"? There's not many yeah. of those guys. <laughs> None, right? And I, I, he was just so eclectic, like – 
I don't know. I just love watching his film. It's so awesome. Like, it, I don't know. It, he's a special dude. I have to go with him until somebody really takes it from him. I will say this, Bernie, to your point, and uh, you can certainly speak to it, but I was at the Hawaii game. I think it was Dane's freshman year, so 1996. Badgers get the opening kickoff. First play of the game, Dane rips off an 80-yard run. Now, this is Hawaii. It's November. It's humidity. It's muggy. It's sticky. It's hot. He's a big dude, so that's probably a load. He rails off an 80-yard run on the first play of the game. Guess what? Holding. Plays brought back. They run the exact same play from the 10, 90-yard touchdown. It's the, it's the greatest feat in sports I think I've ever seen. He ran the And he ran faster the second time around. Yeah, I mean, that, that dude is one of the most special football players in college. Um, and what he did for Wisconsin, he, you know, he put us on the map. Same with Barry. Um, but I, I think he's, he, until I see something absurd, JT's on his way, don't get me wrong, but Ron Dane was just that guy. Now, Bernie, uh, JT, five touchdowns against Kent State, uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week award. Do you tip your cap to him, or are you like, man, that's Kent State. You just ran five touchdowns against the worst rush defense in the land, and it's, let me reiterate, Kent State. You know, I tip my cap to him. He's still making those cuts. He's still reading the backs. Like His play doesn't diminish no matter who the opponent is. You know, like, what, when they came out in the second half, I was like, why is he in? Touchdown. First play, touchdown. <laughs> you know, just, like, still, those dudes are college athletes, and they're still college football players, and they can't tackle him. So, you know, he looked a little Ron Dane-esque on that play. Guys all trying to go for his legs, and he just was jumping out of them. Hey, in the locker room, if, any, if anyone ever talks smack about Dane in any way, would they, would, like, someone come running in and say, don't you say that, he's Dane! No, yeah, it was Barry, yeah. <laughs> Coach Alvarez. No, nobody, nobody talked. The best was when we wanted to get out of like watching bad film. We'd be like, "Hey, Coach White, can you throw on that Dane clip that you always have?" <laughs> it's like when the substitute teacher rolls Dane. in a movie for movie day. It's like, it's like, hey, can we get that yeah. Dane tape back in? Yeah, hey, Coach, uh, you know I missed like six blocks in a row at practice. Hey, you want to throw that Dane in? Let's just watch that for a little while. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Visiting with former Badger fullback Matt Bernstein. So take us back, you know, when you're getting recruited, you know, as a fullback, running back, and, you know, after Dane had, had did what he'd done, and there were great running backs before him and great after him, you know, at the time, I think it was certainly he was the best. But, I mean, was was that the only choice you had? I mean, as a running back, was it, and I got to go to Wisconsin? Was it, you know, seeing what Dane and these backs had done? I mean, what was the decision like for you to make it to come here? I mean, decision was easy. Uh, you just, you know, for me, it was Wisconsin was going to allow me to play fullback. It's a position I wanted to be to play. Syracuse asked me to play defensive end. I've never played defensive end <laughs> in any. Well, I guess in like sixth grade when I had the double X helmet, I had to play one position only because you're the fattest dude on the field. <laughs> but um, and that was the truth. A double X helmet. Do you know what that does to your to your confidence? Well, you got a big head, Bernie. Not, I, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I was a fat little kid. Um, they almost made me play with the fifth graders <laughs> when I was in fourth grade. They almost made me play with the fifth graders because I was well, too heavy. Bernie, you were the kid that started weigh-ins for Pee Wee football. Before you, they didn't have weigh-ins. They're like, we got to weigh this dude in. Yeah. No, exactly. In fourth grade, I had to go down to my tidy whities. Aren't you with in my the? Dad. Aren't, are you in the? Are you in the Jewish Hall of Fame in New York? Yeah, 
Yeah. How the, the Jewish Hall of Fame is in New York, but it's I think it's national. Oh, really? It's so, um, dude, yeah. hell yeah. Well, there's only one Hebrew oh, yeah. hammer, duh. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. All righty, 535 now on a Wednesday morning. Kind of an important day for any of you folks that went to school in Platteville. Today is the anniversary, 1866. Platteville Normal School opened its doors. It was the first college devoted entirely to training teachers, and it opened in Roundtree Hall on this date back in 1866. How about that? One other item on this date in 1986, Phantom of the Opera made its theatrical debut. And now you know. I'm P.M. Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. Well, we knew that there was quite a dust-up last week when U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue was at World Dairy Expo. Many in the media reported that the secretary said that dairy would have to get big or get out. Well, that's not the case. In fact, yesterday, U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue visited with farm broadcasters to try to get the real message out. He was a guest on fellow farm broadcasters Chip Flory's AgriTalk, and he said the specific remarks that were credited to him during a press conference actually never happened. One of those reporters that already had their story written, he phrased the question in a way uh, that get the quote to get the answer he wanted. What I was expressing during that period of time that every farmer knows there's been consolidation and where, whereby my dad put two kids through college on 318 acres in middle Georgia, that's difficult to do these days. We know that, and uh, the economy of scale with the capital investment there, that was the point that was being made. It was not a get big or get out kind of uh, mandate. It was just the reality that it is tough to make it uh, in the dairy business milking 40 or 50 cows these days. That's U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue visiting with farm broadcasters after his comments uh, at World Dairy Expo last week. In fact, he says that the comments he made were misconstrued after the reporter asked about small dairies. The 2018 Farm Bill will stem the flow of that. Now, what we see, obviously, is uh, economy of scale having happened in America. Uh, big get bigger and small go out, and that's kind of what we've seen here. It's very difficult on an economy of scale with the capital needs and all the environmental regulations and everything else today to survive milking 40, 50, 60, or even 100 cows. It was after those comments by U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue that another reporter asked him a question on whether dairies would have to get big or get out. That was the reporter using that phrase. But are they going to survive as they have in the past as small operations, or are they going to have to get big or get out? That remains to be seen. Everyone will have to make their own own decisions economically whether they can survive. I don't think in America we, uh, for any small business, we have a guaranteed uh, income or guaranteed profitability of survival. uh, That depends on each and every farmer and dairy farmer. Farmers are pretty uh, pretty good at managing and managing through tough times. I think uh, those that have survived through the 14 Farm Bill should do well in the 18 Farm Bill. So there you have it. Some explanation from U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue about his misquotes last week during World Dairy Expo. To get big or get out, if you're a small dairy, he said, in reality, this new Farm Bill should hopefully help all dairies stay in business much more than the previous Farm Bill did under the Obama administration. So now you know. All right, coming up in just a moment, speaking of World Dairy Expo, a new partnership that was announced at World Dairy Expo that directly relates to some of the guests we have here on the Farm Show. Mike North from Commodity Risk Management Group down in Platteville, our guest before 6 o'clock. 
along with a new partner he's got down in Chicago. Stick around for that. And plenty of concern about the wet weather that's supposed to return to Wisconsin and a lot of the upper Midwest later this week. The concern over that weather inspired traders to push corn, beans, and wheat higher yesterday in Chicago. I've got a recap of your numbers coming up next and a big announcement from Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. Just stick around. It's around the corner. What do you think? We're going to have rain. We're going to have snow. We're going to have decent ground for the fall harvest. Whatever you're going to face, be ready for it. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here from my buddies at McFarland, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, just off Highway 12. Real easy to find. And I'll tell you what, when you make your way into McFarland's where everything's all under one roof, if you're looking for assistance when it comes to the harvest, walk straight through the store back to the farm department. That's where the boys will be able to help you out. Whether it's a part that you need to make sure something's going to run smoothly or you're looking at new or used farm equipment, they're there to help you out. Remember, they specialize in the Agco product lines. They've got Massey's. They've got Kubotas. Whatever you're looking at, the staff at McFarland's can help you out. And remember, the farm department specifically has years of service. So whether it's new or used, tractors, combines, or short-line equipment, McFarland's is ready to help you all under one roof. Check it out. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, just off Highway 12. Well, if you've already checked it out online, MidwestFarmReport.com, then you're aware Wisconsin Farm Technology Days has selected the next host family for Wisconsin Farm Technology Days 2022. It's going to be up in Clark County, and yesterday they announced that the Rail Acres Farm of Loyal has been selected as the host family. Now, at the same time they announced the host family, Matt Gluen, general manager of Wisconsin Farm Technology Days, said there will not be a show in 2021. Now, remember, they had originally talked about having kind of a neutral site for that year because no other county stepped up offering to host. So they had decided they were going to have a state-run show at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds in Jefferson. Well, now Matt Gluen said after listening to exhibitors at this year's show and taking into consideration the slow agricultural economy, they've decided that they are going to ice the 2021 show completely. So that means we'll go to Eau Claire County next year for the 2020 show skip a year with no show at all, and then be back in Clark County come 2022 for a July show at Rail Acres of Loyal. So now you know what's going on there. Well, let me tell you what's going on in the market. So yesterday there was a lot of concern about how delayed the crops are, both corn and soybeans, and more wet weather coming in later this week. So we caught a rally yesterday. December corn was up eight and three quarter cents at three ninety five and three quarters. November soybeans were up five and a quarter at nine twenty and a half. The December wheat eleven cents higher at five dollars and a quarter cent, with July new crop wheat also up ten and a quarter cents at five sixteen and a half. Dairy markets, barrel cheese gained four and three quarter cents yesterday to one eighty seven and three quarters. Forty pound block cheese that was up two and a half at two oh one and a half. But the double A butter just a little softer, down two and a half cents to two ten and a quarter per pound. Now fluid milk contracts did real well yesterday as well. We had November milk up twenty three cents, eighteen forty four a hundred weight. December milk up twenty one cents at seventeen seventy four. January milk nine cents higher at sixteen ninety eight a hundred weight. So what's ahead for dairy? Tell you, Mike North is one of the guys we lean on for that information. Last week during World Dairy Expo, he had an exciting announcement about a new partnership that they've struck up. That detail coming up next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 
Madison area Crime Stoppers recently reported a local woman got very close to being conned out of nearly $2,000 after getting a call from a criminal pretending to be a captain with the Dane County Sheriff's Office. She was told there were warrants out for her arrest, including one issued after she missed federal grand jury duty. The woman was led to believe she could pay a refundable bond amount now or show up at the Dane County Courthouse the next day and go through a civil process procedure. He kept her on the phone as she withdrew funds from her bank. Next, he sent her to a grocery store where he wanted her to purchase reloaded cards. At this point, the victim became suspicious and called police. Madison Area Crime Stoppers wants to remind everyone that no law enforcement agency would conduct business of this nature over the phone. You should never give any personal or identifying information over the phone. These kinds of scams may seem believable to some, especially if the suspect has information about you, but people should be incredulous in these kinds of scenarios. Report these type of fraudulent activities to your local law enforcement or contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need new windows. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 years and 80 minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 years of hindsight for 80 minutes of your time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. With the huge swing in temperatures from below zero to the upper 90s, Ganser Company has the only window made for Wisconsin climate. Infinity Windows from Marvin offer a lifetime warranty. Bring on the ice, wind, and the heat. Infinity Windows don't warp, crack, or fade like vinyl windows. Call today, 608-222-1243. Or stop into our showroom and see the Infinity Window Experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. Just moo it. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. We're heading towards 6 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. Don't forget, Reba will be back around with you tomorrow, and so will Bryce Knorr, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com. Speaking of commodity management and risk assessment, during World Dairy Expo, there was a special new partnership that was formally announced between our man Mike North from Commodity Risk Management Group out of Platteville and his new partners, Rice Dairy LLC out of Chicago. Now, Rice Dairy LLC is a dairy brokerage company. And of course, you know, if you've listened to the show, that Mike North is all about risk management tools and working directly with uh, dairy producers. They have now come together. And I got a chance to visit with both of the parties during World Dairy Expo, starting off with Peter Turk, one of the principals of Rice Dairy LLC. I just asked him to tell me more about the company. Yeah, completely appreciated. Um, you know, Rice Dairy is a team of 25 people based in Chicago, Illinois. Partner started the company back in 2002 with an emphasis of managing price risk in the dairy industry. And we handle both sides of the market, so we do handle dairymen as well as the end users in the commercial community. Um, very focused and concentrated on coming up with tools and solutions to help both sides of that market really diversify and managing their risk with, with over-the-counter products or using derivatives or recently DRP insurance and so forth. And as we're customer driven in regards to products that we bring to the table, and as our dairymen clientele has expanded over the course of the years, 
really pushing us to kind of get more involved in the agricultural hedging markets, the grain markets per yep. se, right? Yep. Known Mike for quite a while, Mike North and his group. Known they've done an amazing job over the years. We've got a great relationship with each other, and it just made sense for us to start talking. And lo and behold, a year and a half after discussion started, here we are, and we brought the two companies together to kind of elevate the platform on both sides. Excellent, excellent. Well, like I said, it seems like an obvious partnership uh, when I think about it. Mike, uh, tell me, though, are you still staying in Platteville? I mean, for some of those folks that are used to hearing you talk to me, Commodity Risk Management Group is still uh, it's still in play. Absolutely. We're keeping everything intact in Platteville. The people are there. The, the company is still there. Our operational focus hasn't changed. We're still going to be working with producers on every front. And our goals have, have not changed. In fact, it's those goals that have brought us to this moment. Right. When we looked at rice dairy, the one thing that they brought to the table that came really quickly and obviously to me was the technology that they've put out there. And while we've done a lot of work to you know uh, help producers put together risk management practices, they've created technology to make those decisions, those discussions, those processes go so much easier. And so as we brought uh, the best of their offering together with ours, uh, we saw only good things ahead for our for our uh, customer base on both sides. Yeah. And so we're very excited about this as we go forward. You know, and to your point, Peter, more and more of the dairy industry, if they never looked at it before, they're sure taking a look at what their tools are sure. in a little bit more sophisticated uh, level. I, just because you've dealt with both sides of mm-hmm. that trade, are you seeing different sized dairies that are now taking a look at how they can work with groups like yours? You know, it's a great question and it has evolved and I think more so the tools that are coming online have evolved. Again, going back to the new insurance dairy revenue protection program, that has really opened up the door where a lot of folks before that really didn't want to manage risk via derivatives have utilized the insurance products. So again, it's, it's a great tool for the dairy industry and from a size perspective we're actually noticing some, some of the smaller dairies out there are utilizing that new product that's coming online. So that does benefit them, and it, and it keeps the farm, right? It, it grows the farm. It helps it helps them in general. So we are seeing a little bit of a diversion from just the larger scales to some of the smaller ones getting more involved. We talk about uh, trying to find a few nights when you can sleep as yeah. opposed to just toss and turn. Now, Mike, we've talked for a long time about the erratic markets that we were working in. The last time you and I had conversation was when we caught a rally on the cheese market. As quick as we finished the conversation, the rally went away. What are you seeing now? Are we all done with the seasonality of what our cheesemakers had been hoping for? Well, it appears that we're finding another little run. Uh, we've been piecing together very slowly and maybe with a little bit more stability this time around, a move off of that 190 low that we caught last week. Bottom line is is that we're still in the you know seasonal peak of our market. It doesn't have a set finish line in terms of a day on the calendar. And while the buyer is still active in the marketplace and maybe got caught in that frenzy and backed off the gas. This is an opportunity for them to kind of reevaluate, re-estimate value and come back into the market. And and this recent little uh, bid back for cheese is a good thing to watch. However, we still have that normal cycle where when the buyer gets all that they need to fill their holiday needs, that leaves. And so, you know, we still want dairymen to be, you know, pressing forward and looking at the opportunities. And we realize that the 18 
$15 plus milk that we have today in nearby contracts is not in the 2020 calendar, but that is typical. It is usual for us to not have the same price in the future that we have today. And so as, as dairymen look, even if this is a short-lived pop, they should be entertaining what these $17 opportunities in the 2020 calendar look like and, and doing you know something pragmatic with that. Go out, have a discussion, start talking to folks like us to, to put plans in place and use the tools because they're there. And if you don't, then we end up with the same things we've gotten in the past. Yeah. Well, are we seeing any changing terrain on the international scene or any different domestic challenge that uh, might influence these markets? Because again, uh, you know, we it doesn't take brain science to see that 2020 doesn't give us a lot of financial positives. But are there things that are out there that could change, Peter? Well, domestically, demand for cheese is very strong. And I think that's the reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing in the Class 3 and cheese markets today. If we could figure out politically some of the trade wars that we have out there, it really does elevate 2020, to be honest with you. Because you are still seeing a contraction of milk to a certain extent. We're not seeing on-farm expansion currently. But yet consumption is relatively robust here. And if we can figure out ways to start moving this product again, export-wise, it really does look like a brighter picture for 2020. So, I mean, if, if you put it in perspective, here we are today without an export market at $17, $18 milk. So that's kind of a telling story if we can kind of get through some of this. Now, what about the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement? Now, that's supposedly uh, more of a slam dunk than many of the other elements that we were talking about. Is, that's, a, that's a pretty critical must-have, though. It really is. And, you know, Mexico is obviously our largest partner when it comes to the powder market specifically, as well as the cheese market. And it seems like we're still ironing through some of the fires, so to speak, with the latest documents that were put together and the latest trade policies that were in discussions, but we're still seeing a pretty good demand out of that sector. And kind of keep in mind, it also dis- displaces demand, right? So maybe if the U.S. gets pushed back in, from one country, it gets pulled from another, and the U.S. seems to capture that other demand to that other country, right? So even though you might start seeing some countries pull back a little bit with overall demand from us, we do have opportunities with other countries that we haven't had before to export product to. Well, and we keep talking, if you visit with the U.S. dairy export folks, they kind of keep looking farther down the road and demographic changes that we see coming in other countries. What about Oceania? Anybody in uh, New Zealand thinking about expansion? Is there any place in the world, Mike, that is growing while the rest are holding the plateau? Oceania, to your question, has had a hard time growing. We're up against a couple of things there. Number one, they're islands. And you only have so much space to grow feed. So you get to a place where you've outgrown your feed supply. The second thing they have working against them is uh, some of the environmental pushback that's happening there. And uh, the uh, movement away from uh, massive cow numbers across pasture. And so that has really put them in a tight spot for growth going forward. Uh, They'll continue to to a limited extent as they start to uh, look at new ways to increase productivity. But the the bigger uh, growth areas are going to be in uh, Europe where some countries are still, you know, case in point, Ireland and the Netherlands really pushing forward to expand their production. And then on the east, Poland and some of those eastern European uh, nations uh, really, you know, pushing to expand their herds as well. But then also in some of these areas that have been big importers, right? China is uh, another country that's looking to expand their dairy industry, and that will not continue, that will not end. They will continue to push in that direction. Um, but the U.S. is not just a an 
opportunity for growth, but we have all of the quality controls in place to deliver a product to market that's almost unmatched anywhere in the world. And that is the thing that we've always had going for us is the infrastructure. It starts at the farm 